Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the living Christ in scripture and in our lives. I am Lindsay Paris Lopez, writer for the Raven Review, aspiring peacemaker and aspiring follower of Jesus. And I'm Adam Erickson, writer at the Raven Review and pastor in the United Church of Christ. This is episode 23 for Easter Sunday. In this episode, we discuss John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. In Jesus Unmasked, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses that obscure the truth that Jesus is unconditional love. In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear that we may live into our fullest selves as reflections of God's love. We explore scripture through the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and we use the Common Lectionary. Happy Easter, Lindsay! Happy Easter, Adam! This is actually going to come out on Palm Sunday, I think, so... Oh, well, happy Palm Sunday. Yes, happy Palm Sunday, but... Yeah, and we're doing the Easter reading, but we've got all of Holy Week ahead of us, which is not exactly the happiest time, but... Well, prepare yourself for Easter, because Friday's coming, but so is Sunday. Sunday is always ahead of us. Yes, so, and (laughs) as you said, we are recording this on a couple of weeks before Easter, and right now we are all still quarantined, and some politicians are talking like we are going to go back to normal on Easter Sunday. We never go back to normal on Easter Sunday. That is not what Easter is about, so... We are leaving normal behind, and that's that's what Easter, as you say, is all about, so... There's no more normal now. There is no more normal. Easter is never, ever, ever a return to business as usual. And I mean, in this this year in particular, that has multiple meanings. Please do not go back to work if you are working from home. Please do not go back to work on Easter or after Easter. If you are one of those workers who has continued working because you have to, because you are vitally important to all of us, first of all, thank you. And those of us who can or do work from home will continue to try to protect your health and well-being by staying home as we as we can, because things do not just return to normal on Easter Sunday. Things change forever because of Easter. Absolutely. Um, And we see that happening in the gospel story for this Sunday. And we have chosen to go with the gospel of John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. And here you get a radical shift that the resurrection brings us. So should we just jump into the text? I think we should. All right. I'll go ahead and read it. Early Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to him, 
and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples sent out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other out disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord away, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and she said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So, Lindsay, the lectionary gave us the option of a Matthew reading about the resurrection or a John reading of the resurrection. And you wanted to go with John because you said you liked it more. What is it about this passage that you like? Well, I believe if if I'm not mistaken, I did read both passages. And this is the one that that has Mary's encounter with Jesus, which I just think is absolutely beautiful. I don't I don't see that the same encounter is not in Matthew. In this one, she's just so devastated. And here, Jesus has been killed, and she watched to the very end. She was one of the people who stayed. The women stayed when everyone else left, and she saw him in pain. She saw him suffering. She saw him take his last breath. And now it's a couple days later, and she's still overcome with grief and she goes to the tomb. She wants to see him again. She can't see him again alive, but she wants to be there with him. And he's gone. Even the body is gone. And I mean, yes, she has faith. Yes, she loved him because of who he was. And he said he would rise. 
but she doesn't understand that. And I think right now, who would understand that? Who really would understand everything that that means before it happens? I feel like right now we're living in a time when we're just kind of expecting one more thing to go wrong. And we're not expecting something wonderful and joyful to kind of shake us and wake us up. But that's what happens to Mary. She's overcome with grief. And suddenly Jesus is speaking to her. And she only recognizes him when he says her name. And sometimes someone can say your name in such a way that just awakens you. And that happens to her. And I just think it's really beautiful. There's a whole roller coaster of emotion, but but it ends with just a really profound, profound joy and a profound sense of suddenly things are right again after being wrong for so long. And I feel that's like something that we all need <laughs> in our lives right now. So that's why I chose John. Yeah, it's interesting because Mary goes through a lot in this passage. She comes to the tomb and she sees that Jesus's body isn't there. And what is her first reaction? It's not that he's been risen. It's that somebody has stolen Jesus's body. They've taken Jesus's body. There have been tomb raiders who have come and stolen his body, she thinks. And so then she runs back to the disciples and say, they've taken his body. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and so she goes through this phase of just like what is happening in this yeah. moment and this is it's interesting because one of the early criticisms or uh rebukes of christianity was that jesus's body was not raised in a resurrection but that his body was stolen and that the early christians just kind of made this up <laughs> that <laughs> jesus's body was resurrection was resurrected and so this is kind of john's uh, apologetic or defense of the resurrection that no this really did happen and it wasn't somebody stole the body but mm -hmm. really and this is where i think you get this idea that we talked about in the intro where you can't go back to normal because this what this is saying is that yes jesus really did die and that death does not have the last word death yeah. what we think is normal death does not have the last word. And so the systems, the powers and principalities that say somebody has to die or somebody has to be sacrificed in order for the rest of us to live, that is what has been the norm for human structures and powers and principalities from the very beginning. And the resurrection says no to that norm. There is another way of living which says death doesn't have the last word you don't have to put other people through death in order for all of us to survive in fact we're all in this together and don't live by that norm anymore because resurrection is the new norm the new way of life yeah. and it takes yeah. it takes us years lifetime it's taken christianity 2000 years it took mary a while in order to understand this, in order to turn and see who think she thinks is the gardener, because who believes in resurrection? <laughs> who, yeah. like Mary, Mary doesn't see it. And so she turns around and she sees 
Jesus and she thinks he's the gardener. And as you say, it's when Jesus speaks the word Mary to her, her name, she sees Jesus there uh, with her. Yeah, we see just how Mary goes through stages of grief and confusion and disbelief all before it really starts, even, you know, even begins to sink in what has happened. I think when he first says her name, I feel like that's her first recognition that something is different. And yet she recognizes him and she says, Rabunai, and even then it's beginning to dawn on her all that is happening but she still can't fully comprehend it because Jesus's first words to her are do not hold on to me so she still she still has something to learn we still have something to learn do not hold on to me i think oh gosh I really feel those words right now because there are people that I want to go and hold on to in this. I mean, most of the people, the people that I care most about, thankfully, are under the same roof. So I can hold on to my husband. I can hold on to my children. But there are friends and family members and parents and grandparents that I want to see and hold on to that I can't. And just to to think of everything she's been through, to see Jesus but not be able to embrace him. I can feel that this year when we're told to keep our distance from the people that we love. So that just has a whole new meaning to me right now. But why do you think he says that? Why do you think he he tells her you can't hold on to me, not to embrace me? I have some ideas, but I want to hear your thoughts first. Uh, Because this is a retelling of the very beginning. This is a retelling of the Garden of Eden story. And Mary is the new Eve. And Jesus is the new tree of life. Jesus, Mm -hmm. the resurrected Jesus, is the tree of life. And when you try to, like, like Eve grasped onto the apple, and mm-hmm. when you grasp onto something, you think you own it. So you think you own the knowledge of good and evil, but you don't. Mm-hmm. And so when you grasp onto the tree, the new tree of life, which is the resurrected Jesus, you think you own the resurrected Jesus. And then once you do that with God or with the resurrected Jesus, then you can use the resurrected Jesus as a weapon once you grasp onto it. You can turn mm-hmm. it into a tool of your own power. And so Jesus says, don't grasp onto me because I am the tree of life that is for everyone. And Jesus' own explanation in this is that he is ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And so is there a sense in which we can try to keep Jesus here down with us as opposed mm-hmm. to Jesus ascending? And what is the whole point of the ascension of Jesus? It's so that we can participate in the divine life. And that is what the Christian spiritual movement is all about. Jesus in the incarnation becomes, God becomes one with us so that we can get caught up into the divine life. God became human that humans might become 
godlike or share in the divine life. And when we grasp onto that divine life, we've completely missed the point because it's not something that we can grasp onto. It's something that God invites us into in a nonviolent way that we can participate in, which it isn't about grasping, but is about participating. Yeah, that's beautiful. You you sound like a pastor who really knows your stuff. I don't know if I can. I don't know. Well, I'm a, I'm a pastor who has read some uh, James Allison, and if you want more about that, check out James Allison because he's the one who introduced me to the whole Jesus is the new tree of life concept in the resurrection and and the, the whole garden motif. In the eighth day, this is like the day after the the sabbath is a new creation it's a new day it's it's as we've been talking about you can't go back to the old normal right this is a this is us participating in a new creation that god is bringing to us through the resurrected jesus yeah i have been to some easter services where it seems to be all about christian triumphalism that yes, Jesus is raised for us, and there are still fools out there that don't believe in him, but we do, so we're going to have eternal life. And I feel like that's that's the kind of grasping that uses Jesus as a tool of us versus them, of, of elevating some above others. And that is exactly what Easter is supposed to change. That sense of losing your life is the only way to attain it. And when you grasp at your life, that's how you lose it. When we try to preserve ourselves at the expense of others, that is when we lose who we are because we are made in the image of God. And that means we're made in the image of love. And that means we're meant to love the whole world and see ourselves only in connection to everyone else and not not apart, not against anyone. In some ways, Adam, I really feel like this is in some ways kind of the first Easter, like things are really changing, like the world is really turning upside down right now. I mean, right now, I kind of feel, of course, this is being recorded a few days before Easter. We're all still in quarantine, and I feel like we're still in the tomb with Jesus. And even even those of us who aren't confined to our houses are kind of under this under this cloak of of sickness and and death. And we've been told that on Easter, by which I mean April twelfth, like the day of Easter this year things will get back to normal, but things will never get back to normal. And I also feel like like the lesson this Easter is that none of us rise until the most vulnerable among us rise. I feel like Jesus placed himself in solidarity with the most vulnerable, with the poor, with the weak, with the sick, with the suffering, with the marginalized, and he was crucified as a criminal and when he rises, he brings 
all of the vulnerable with him, and we are not going to rise separately and go back to a sacrificial world where some of us are told to get back to work to keep the system churning so that the most privileged among us can live and the rest of us are expendable. Jesus has overturned that world, and I feel like that world is being overturned right now, that nothing can be the same, and we will find joy again. We will find love. We will find, you know, love conquering everything, but that will come when we live in the new life that is for everyone. It'll yes. come when we live to serve everyone, when we live to care for each other. Yes. Uh, as you're talking, maybe a fruitful discussion or a sermon about this resurrection would be a comparison with the resurrection of Julius Caesar with the resurrection of Jesus. So there's this there's this thought that Julius Caesar was resurrected and you see his comet going up to the heavens. And Julius Caesar's resurrection is a confirmation of the way the world is, the norm that we've been talking about. And I think this might be the interesting provocative thing about Easter is a comparison with the resurrected resurrection of Caesar with the resurrection of Jesus, because I would suspect that Christians have tended to believe much more in the resurrection of Caesar than in the resurrection of Jesus. Because Caesar bring just is a confirmation of the world as it is. The powerful are the representatives of God. The powerful are uh, the messiahs, the messiah figures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see this often with presidents, not just with both uh, Democratic, Democratic and Republican parties. When you start giving like a Messiah, thinking that the presidents are like the new Messiah or the ones that we've been waiting for, you've seen that in in both parties during the last few presidents, and that is leaning in the resurrection of Caesar. That mm-hmm. Caesar confirms the resurrected Caesar confirms the way that the world is. That you see God in the powerful rulers of the world. And the resurrection of Jesus gives us something different. It's exactly what you've been talking about with with seeing God not so much in the powerful, but as Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, in the least of these, in those who are suffering. And it there is very much a, you are as strong as your weakest link in, in the Christian <laughs> message. <laughs> and so make your weakest link stronger. And so all of these like policies that go towards like the middle class and don't help out the those who are living in poverty as much. Uh, those are policies that are not Christian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And they're they're unsustainable. Yes. They're unsustainable because they don't help the most vulnerable. But I mean, I think the whole point of the gospel is Yeah, the world has gone on and on and on and on like that, but it can't continue that way. We're going to recognize that the world that that sacrifices the poor is living under the shadow of death all the time. And it's going to get to the point where you're not going to be able to avoid or 
be blind to that or ignore that any longer. It's going to get to the point where we're all going to recognize that that's not sustainable. And that is why we all need a savior who is the most vulnerable among us. I mean, the resurrection of Caesar, it's like no mortal man can truly kill Caesar because Caesar is so powerful and that's why power survives and that's why power will always win. And that's why if you're powerful, rejoice in your power and become more powerful and the more distance you put between yourselves and those little peons, the better, because that's how you get to immortality. That's not going to work at all. I feel like that's what the U.S. empire has been doing, even to to its own people and, and sort of to the rest of the world. And now it's all crumbling. Now it's all falling apart. And the resurrection of Jesus is the weak and the vulnerable and the poor have been dying forever and yet they have eternal life that true life uplifts them first and carries the rest of us with them that's what real eternal life is that's what real resurrection is the resurrection of the of caesar and the power dynamics that have kept some far above others that's all that's all an illusion and it's crumbling away and this is the apocalyptic moment and there are so many opportunities in this apocalyptic moment and the opportunity is always to believe that death doesn't have the last word the coronavirus doesn't have the last word and that we're all in this together so thank you lindsay and thank you, Adam. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And may you have a blessed Easter. May you have a blessed Easter. So, friends, that is it for this episode of Jesus Unmasked. Jesus Unmasked is produced by the Raven Foundation, where we talk about faith and mimetic theory. Check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org. You can connect with Raven on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or your enemies because Jesus calls us to love them too.